0: Welcome to the Intern Whisper Live, the show all about the future of work and working with interns. So, coming up on this episode of the Intern Whisper Live is Shantara Chapman. She is our guest, and we are really excited about her being here. She's all the way over there in Texas. So, this is going to be a great show. Um, today, We are going to be, uh, aside from looking at that, we're going to go over our social plugs. So people, you can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and on all six of the big podcast channels. So it's iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. And we welcome you to come and play our game. You can go to interimpursuit.games and play that. Exciting news is our game has been accepted onto uh, Steam, so start looking for us to have presence there. And you can also go to um, internpursuit.games on Facebook and Intern Pursuit and like us and follow us and check out the really great content that we're putting out there. The game is also on Twitter, and you can watch us live on Intern Pursuit uh, on Facebook. Today, not so much. We're not gonna be doing that. So, our first patron is Starter Studio. It is a nonprofit organization and a pioneering hub for innovative and tech enabled entrepreneurs that empowers and provides resources for entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators to begin, grow, and flourish in Florida. Starter Studio fosters a community, serving as a platform for the ideas of the future. Thank you, Starter Studio, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer. In our Intern Pursuit news, students, do you want to work with one of our great employers or with Intern Pursuit? Go to internpursuit.tech to sign up and create your profile. And employers of all sizes and types are invited to be part of our early adopter beta pilot. You can use this code, InternPursuitBeta, to sign up for special pricing. Contact us at info at for more, .tech for more information. And again, if you want to play our game, go to internpursuit.games to check it out. Welcome, Shantira, to the Intern Whisper Live. We are really excited to have you as a guest on our show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so we met way back in at North Carolina when we went to the Women in Power X conference and you had a booth over there Mm -hmm. and um, you were there for two things. I know you were there for your nonprofit, but also for your uh, business, your consulting business. But I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of a bio so they know more about you. Okay, You're a transformational consultant with experience in organizational change management project management, process improvements, and transition management. You have over 20 years of experience in the aerospace and oil and gas industries. And you have a reputation for building strong relationships with clients and delivering quality results. But what I find really interesting is that you worked at the Johnson Space Center. So I'm looking forward to hearing what that was like. And you Mm -hmm. also have an annual conference that you put on. And you have a nonprofit that you started called Chapman Women's Foundation to provide scholarships and grants to women building businesses and getting back into school or even getting out of shelters. That is so cool. So let's hear those entrepreneur stories on both sides. But really, that whole Space Coast thing, that's super interesting.
1: A lot of people like the fact that I have NASA stories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I get a lot of clients because of that, too, because they think I'm really smart.
0: Yeah, you are smart. You had to be smart. You got there. Yeah, I did. I did. And we stayed there for 13 years. Wow. That is really amazing. My dad worked at Lockheed Martin, and um, we never got to have the NASA visit, but we did get a tour of Lockheed and Martin, and it it was pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, and 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 Lockheed Martin is really cool. Boeing is really cool. But then you get to go if you ever have an opportunity, you know, wherever you are, ever have an opportunity to go to one of the space campuses, I I would definitely suggest going because it's still mind blowing, even today. Even when I go and think about the things that I've was able to do and the people I uh, I met. Uh, And when I was there, I actually worked with the Japanese space program. So I actually went to see their mission control uh, center in Japan. And so not too many people can say that. Not too many people can say that they wrote requirements for the Japanese space agency's uh, mission control center. I can say
0: that. Oh, my goodness. That is impressive. Well, I am in Orlando, Florida. And this is really awful to admit. I've been to the NASA Space Center for sure. Mm -hmm. I've taken a tour of it. But I've never gone over when they've had a launch, and I've seen it from you know Orlando. You can always see it when it takes off, in the skies here. But my dad worked for Boeing, also, um, you know, so he's been in that aerospace industry for a long time. Weapons uh, is what he worked on—weapons okay. of mass destruction. I found right. that interesting. <laughs> That's what he. I said, "What do you do?" And he told me that, and I went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> But anyway, um, really interesting about that whole opportunity that you had to go and visit in Japan. I never even realized, I guess that uh, I know that they have it in Korea, but I just don't think I've realized that it was even in Japan too. And it it seems like we should know that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, it's um, you know all of the partners, you know all of the NASA partners, kind of still flow through. Johnson Space Center, flow through Houston, flow through America. So a lot of times when they're building their control centers, and especially when I was there, they were building their control centers. They were calling us, asking what what was some of the best practices? What are the things they need to do? So we were kind of mentoring the other space programs. And of course, as you think about it now with the um, space station, we are not the hub the others are the hubs like the russians in different places and so you know they everyone has to still be connected and have to still be on the same page and all of that so yeah everywhere there's a space program we're traveling there's someone from here or there traveling back and forth Making sure that's
0: interesting. They have goodwill between the countries. I mean, it it is a collaborative thing, not a competitive thing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely collaborative. When I was working there, and actually, I was a little nervous because I was fairly young and um, working, uh, being told that I was going to be a part of the crew that was going to work with the Japanese. That was one thing. It was a lot of teleconferencing, a lot of phone calls, but then it was time for us to go there. So, what they would typically do to kind of Share the budget and to share the pain is one time the team would come to America, and the next time America would go there, you know just to kind of make sure that it 's evened out that everybody is kind of sharing the the wealth of the bills <laughs> of traveling mm-hmm. and working together and so I was very nervous about that, not knowing what the relationship was, and to my team they were like, no no it 's nowhere near what people make it out to be it's we work in the control center, they work in their control center, we have a bond, and um It was actually very nice. It was, it was, uh, they party a lot more than I thought. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And so I was kind of the prude. I, I, they actually, I went through Japanese culture training here in the States. So when I went there, I would understand, you know, how things work, but um, it was, it was difficult. And I think most of the people at the Johnson Johnson Space Center here in Houston were nervous about me going, not so much because I was young, but because I didn't drink. Oh, wow. And in, and in Japan, they that's how they network over you know, over drinks and over sake. And, you know, you go and you hang out. And they really did not know if I was going to uh, offend um, our Japanese counterparts. So it was just a matter of we're just going to send her <laughs> and hope for the best. And it, wow. it really wasn't a bad thing at all. Um, they, they like to, you know, I guess get inebriated so they can ask each other questions so they can learn more about each other and not feel like they're being interrogated. But I yeah, told they you, are a
0: very formal culture,
1: right? Yes, until it's time to party. <laughs> I see. I did not know that. That is and interesting. And so it was, and you know, I did not know a lot about, you know, eating raw fish and sushi at that time. I mean, I was in my, I was maybe 27 when I was going there. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of discussion with me about would I be able to handle them asking me questions? And I told them, sure, I didn't have a problem with it, um, as long as they didn't have a problem with me asking them questions. And so we had this kind of (laughs) open dialogue about why I decided to be married. I was young and I was married to a man that could take care of me. I mean, there was all of these culture conversations and then there was money conversations and then there was, why don't you drink? Um, But I was open with them. And so that meant that they respected me for being open and honest. Um, and I didn't have a problem at all. As a matter of fact, when I rolled off of that contract to go work with someone else within the same NASA umbrella, they complained, they protested and didn't want me to leave. So I guess I impressed them and they were happy with me. That's a compliment. And then actually awesome. they, were, they told me, that um, my, my NASA boss said they'd never had a situation where a Japanese actually requested
0: someone and they requested me. That is a real compliment. So kudos to you. That is a, a nice story to tell, too. Because I would imagine, you know, at the time frame, I have no idea how old you are, but I, I just know that, you know, it's always we did a show two weeks ago it was about um women, the climb, just the climb for Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. And we interviewed several several women, um different ethnicities, different races. It it really is. All about you know how challenging it is for just women in general but then when you throw women of color in it it's even harder and so we had real very candid conversations and I was so grateful for the guests that shared that because it is it is a very hard thing for women because they'll choose a man over just about every position that's out there and that is a huge compliment for all of women so Thanks for representing there, but also just for you personally, I, I cannot imagine anything more thrilling, to be honest. I think at the time I just
1: I just did I didn't know the impact, and I, I guess I wasn't thinking of it in that in, the, in those frames until after I came back and heard from other people about yeah. it, because I, I knew it was a big deal. You know, one sending a woman to sending a young black woman and then she doesn't drink and she's married and she's married to a military man. It was, and we really were literally a month or two after September 11th. So people (gasps) were just starting to travel again. And so I remember I was terrified (laughs) because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was terrified, but I was able to purchase a round trip airfare to Japan nonstop for 300 bucks.
0: That's oh my goodness that's was. unheard
1: of that's because of you know no one was traveling and everyone wow. was scared and my plane was still very empty so you know during that time I was just I was concerned with so many other things like am I gonna make it yeah <laughs> and but by this time I came home I realized wow that's a big deal that's you a know, big milestone
0: you, sure. yeah for
1: me to have gone for me to be that young for them to have accepted me and um, embraced me the way they did not just Um, culturally, out socially, but even in the, in the office, you know, we were told you can tell the hierarchy in the room by the most important person sits in the middle Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then it goes out from there, especially with the Japanese and they're like, hey, let them sit first so you can see the order and you sit on the other side of the table. Well, and the women stood, you know, their culture was women, you know, you let the men have the seat for you. And so there were ladies standing in the back, you know, Japanese women, and there were not enough, there was not enough seats for me. There was, and and the room was empty. And actually the IT director, he was the big guy in the room. He was sitting in the middle. He made someone move and asked me to come sit next to him in the meeting. Oh my goodness. It just everyone, gets better and better. I really everyone, like this story. And everyone just froze and I I was also told if they invite you to sit with them you definitely go, don't be offended. So I went and sat next to him and we had, a, you know, we sat there for like 3 hours during a meeting and when it was over everyone was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> so, you know, it little things like that will I I remember because I want to ensure that I don't forget that I may have opened the door for
0: someone else without even thinking about it. Yeah, that is really, that is really, really a cool story. I like that very, very much. So the um, other thing that (laughs) I wanted to find out is how did you, why did you start your business? Which ones did you start first? Why the nonprofit? All of those good things. I'm sure Mm -hmm. listeners would enjoy hearing that. Yes, the nonprofit
1: started first. Um, when I was working at NASA and I, I was working for um, a consulting firm, like you said, that your, your, your father worked for um, Lockheed Martin and Boeing, I worked for Booz Allen Hamilton.
0: Oh, I know so, that company.
1: Yeah, we were the IT consultants of choice here in Houston for Johnson Space Center. So I worked there. And my company wanted to be able to support in the community. So I was tasked with trying to figure out who to support. And so I found this women's shelter, not very far from where our office was, and we began supporting them. And for some reason, I just started to be drawn to them. And I started my nonprofit literally based on the needs that were going on in that women's shelter. I went there and I started to teach assertiveness once a week after work. And then they asked me if I could do something else, if I could do something on a weekend where they could invite their friends and family because they truly enjoyed me and how I was just open to them and not made them and did not make them feel like they were less than, didn't make them think about their mistakes and things of that nature. And so that's where the Chapman Women's Foundation started almost 11 years ago now. Um, and I started working there with them And it just started to kind of snowball. It wasn't just about women in a shelter anymore. It became about all women. It became about women in corporate America. It was women who were trying to build businesses, women, young women who were trying to finish school, or even older women who need to go back so they can get a better job. Um, so that's where the Chapman Women's Foundation started. And initially, it definitely wasn't about giving money. I didn't start giving money until six years ago, where we wanted, I wanted to be able to give scholarships and grants. So I said, hey, what if I gave a seven hundred dollars scholarship, or I found a company to sponsor a scholarship and it just kind of went from there to where now we've given I think over $30,000 in scholarships to women um, who are trying to build businesses or women who are trying to finish school and definitely those ladies who are trying to get out of shelters so that's where that started
0: from you know my church um, it sounds like micro uh, micro loans and my church does something where they go third world countries so um, and they work, we work with Esperanza, a nonprofit that also shares Christ. And then they bring in, they help give little loans to the people that are in that community. It was in uh, Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and there was always accountability there. And that certainly, I, I bet because you've got this consulting background, that's really where you began to also help them have that business experience that they needed.
1: Yes. The one thing that I try to tell the ladies is, yes, this is a grant. This is a scholarship. You don't have to pay it back. However, the way you will be paying it back to me or paying it forward is you're going to be meeting with me. So once a quarter, they are obligated to meet with me. I need to see results. (laughs) I need to see what's happening. I want to see grades. I want to see what the business plan looks like. If you're opening a bakery... Let's talk about it. What are we doing? What's the what's your what's your next step? Where have you gone so far? I want to ensure that they know that it's not just about a handout that I'm trying to provide this leg up to them. And yes, they noted that I have a consulting firm of my own now, which I didn't have a few years ago. My consulting firm is only 3 years old, but as I built who I was and as I started to understand how to run a business, of course, that meant, that meant that I knew how to ask questions and I knew how to ensure that those ladies who said that they were going to start a business, that they had all of their ducks in a row. So I started requiring counseling from, I had bank, different banks, and um, other firms who provide financial counseling, who provide business, um, Um, consulting and coaching, I started making some of those things mandatory if I could get the service provider to provide it for very, very discounted rate or even for free. And so those ladies realized at that point, okay, this is serious. I don't need to apply for this unless she, (laughs) unless I'm really serious about it. And that goes for, you know, the colleges and even the ladies in shelters. I only work with shelters who have outreach programs that show the successes of those ladies that have gone through their shelter and have started to do well
0: Mm, that's really really good stuff there so when you chose shelters i know this wasn't a question i prepared you for but um why do you have a, a heart for helping the women in the shelters because i know that goodness i i have a heart for homelessness and for those that are living in poverty for, you know, my own reasons and leukemia. My my mom had leukemia. Um, but I definitely have a heart for helping women also. But is is there a personal reason that you're that you would share or is there you know, a story behind it? You know, when I started
1: to volunteer at the women's shelter, I just felt like there was a need there. Mm. I don't have a personal um story about being in a shelter or anything like that. We didn't grow up with a lot of money, but we didn't live in shelters or anything. I just feel like I was blessed with um, huge, wonderful female role models. Uh And even though we didn't have a lot or we struggled, there was always my mom there that I could look to see that she's still doing it. She's still trying to make it. She's still working. And I realized that a lot of women don't have that especially those women who are in shelters because they've had to leave their homes. They've had to leave what they're you know, accustomed to. And I just wanted to be able to help. And when I was at working, for the, working at that women's shelter, I just felt like I was helping. I mm-hmm. felt like um, those ladies needed something. And honestly, the first time I heard a woman come to me had a woman, she came to me and she gave me a hug and said, I got a job today. First job she'd had in like three or four years. She said, I have a job today because you helped me, because you helped me to prepare for the interview. You showed me how to shake hands. You showed me how to give proper eye contact. And that's what made me get this job. That to me was like, oh, wow, this is great. So rewarding,
0: so (laughs) personally rewarding. Yeah, I don't know. Did you like tear up? I think I would have been tearing up then. I teared up after I got home. So when she
1: was, cause she was crying when she was hugging me and I was like, no, it wasn't me. It was you. She was like, no, you don't understand. It was you. And you know, the on and on and on. And when I got home and I was trying to explain it to my husband, then I teared up and he was like, oh boy, this is about to start something.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm, That is really good. But you know what I realized? I don't think you shared the name of your nonprofit. What is it? Oh, the Chapman Women's Foundation. Okay. There, you know what? You, maybe you did, but it's good to say it a second time.
1: Yeah, Definitely good. My, um, consulting firm is Pow Her Consulting. Pow is
0: in like P-O-W and then H-E-R, right? Yes. Pow yeah. Her. Yeah. So how did you pick that name? Oh, I the name actually came
1: from my women's foundation. Mm-hmm. We were, I would say maybe four or five years in trying to figure out a way to keep everybody excited about what we were doing mostly kind of marketing and i was trying to figure out a word i was like what kind of words can we use to keep people excited and power her just kind of came to us you know maybe i'd heard it somewhere i don't know but we were playing with it and i was like okay let's use power her because i don't really like girl power that much i was like no we're not girls we're no, you know we're grown we're, women <laughs> yeah and so i started using power her as a kind of a symbol of an, of saying that women can do what they want whenever they want, and we are going to empower her to do it mm-hmm. and so that became the thing in Houston every time people would see me they were like that 's the power her lady mm-hmm. that 's cool <laughs> and so I said, well you know what i 'm going to you know make sure that you know part of me and even the things that I do as a speaker and a consultant and an author, all of that still there 's that underlying Foundation that I started with the with my women's foundation, so I wanted to still kind of pay homage to the foundation, even with my consulting firm.
0: Yeah, I think that's well. First, we already know that's a great business move, right? Because businesses that align themselves with a social cause or um, with a nonprofit, you know, they always really do resonate with their their audience more because it's not all about just making money, and the fact that you give you know many grants and many uh many type of scholarships there many as in M I N I just for our listeners mm-hmm. um that says a lot about who you are as a as a business person but also as a woman and how you're supporting the women in that community so that's you know a really good story it also will resonate as i said to many i'm sure of potential uh customers that you could have
1: yeah i think a lot of people um they, they gravitate to that when, they, when they're when they talking to me about my company. Even when they're talking to me about coming in and doing consulting work or speaking, they want to know about the foundation. So it's always there. It's always mm-hmm. a part of everything that I do. And sometimes I, I can find new donors <laughs> through my business, which is great. And, you know, or just fans of what I do, which is also a good thing.
0: Yeah. And I think it also, it's a, one of those differentations that you can certainly leverage to your benefit in both sides of the table there. Because many people do not really realize that nonprofits are a real business. They're exempt from having to pay sales tax, but they are a true business. There are, uh, many times people don't know this also, if a nonprofit is closing its doors, it has to give everything it has. Um, It doesn't go to the founder or whoever created it. It has to be donated to another nonprofit. That's Mm -hmm. important information there to share. Um, So you don't take you as in collective you. A person should not take starting a nonprofit lightly. It is a very um, weighty responsibility um, because you really have to do quite a bit of fundraising. And people that say they don't like sales, fundraising is sales. It's hard. It's a lot of hard, especially when
1: the economy is bad. Oh my gosh! Then you know that's the first thing that gets cut is you know the community giving, and so um, then you have to ask yourself then what is it that we need to do? What is it that we can do? Mm -hmm. And so that that's um, those are the pieces where the rubber hits the road for a lot of uh, nonprofit owners. The one good piece of advice I was given by a friend was um, to let people know that I have an MBA. Mm -hmm. She said, you need to, even when you're talking about your nonprofit, because I, for a long time, I didn't tell people I had an MBA. I didn't put it, I didn't sign with it. It wasn't on my signature line and my emails or anything. And she said, you need to put it there because a lot of people assume if you have a nonprofit that you just kind of did it. It was a social thing for you and it's not a true business and it kind of helps to legitimize you and it gives you more credit. And oddly enough, once I started to utilize the MBA credential and my signature and things like that, I did get a lot more phone calls. I did get a lot of meetings that um, I wasn't getting in the past from banks and things of that nature. And she said that she knew for sure that there were several banks in the Houston area and several donors that just don't know. They assume that people who work for nonprofits or have their own, they're not actually educated and that was and this was a while ago but it still you know kind of resonates with me
0: you know i can totally relate to what you're saying there um my background is in education i was a public classroom teacher but Mm -hmm. i went back to school and got an mba also and i use those credentials on my signature block it's made a really big difference for me to be able to cross over from education into the business world And I always have one foot in there, but I have a certificate in nonprofit management and I've worked in that industry from when I was a classroom teacher Mm -hmm. to working with like the nature conservancy. I was a grants administrator there for two years. And then I worked for the center for independent living. And then also for my own college that I graduated from Rollins college here in Orlando or winter park really. Um, But you know, I understand that nonprofit side really well. Um, and that's a benefit when you understand for-profit business, nonprofit, and that brings extra value to that MBA. I have found that to be true in my own consulting business. So um, I'm in that HR space, like you're in organizational development. I'm in that training and learning side of it mm-hmm. and all but dissertation for a PhD in uh, leadership with a specialization in human resource development. So You and I have very, very similar backgrounds, and that was, when I met you, that was one of the things that I found really interesting, and where I had said, hey, I'd like to have you as a guest on my show, just because of the similarities we had in our background. Just so you know, I don't think I even expressed that. It was like a crazy, crazy thing over there in North Carolina at that Women in Power X event, but it was really a good event, and I met some really nice women, really nice women.
1: Yeah, it was really great. And I see yeah. that they, you know, expanded and they're doing good things in every city that they go into. So, Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's been a guest on the show also. That was back in the quarter four of last year, you yeah, know, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, good stuff there. So how has business changed for you as you know, you're the head of your company and a nonprofit since our COVID-19 pandemic because Everything is topsy-turvy. I know we touched on that, you know, mm-hmm. before we had our call today. Like, you know, is, is it still business? And everything I do is pretty much remote. Um, with my own teams, we use Google Hangouts, of course, and we also use Skype quite a bit. But we're moving over into Zoom and doing some other things and putting that presence out there for uh, clients. And so how has this changed for you?
1: So for the nonprofit, it it hasn't had much of an impact, or at least I haven't felt it yet, simply because this is during the time that I'm usually in motivation mode mm-hmm. for me. So I'm doing a lot of outreach and reaching out and you know, just really ensuring that the ladies that we support or that I've met throughout this time that they're motivated, that they feel like they can continue to move forward, um, asking if they need any resources you know things of that nature um, so from that standpoint i haven 't had to face the nose for <laughs> the nose for fundraising yet um, i I've actually the week before everything went on lockdown was when yeah. the, and, and that was um, was it women international women 's day I actually hosted a a woman's brunch. And it was a huge, huge success. And then right after that, everything went crazy. So I was able to get one of my larger events for Q, you know, for Q1 out the door uh, before all of the craziness happened. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, Now on the other side of the house, with my consulting business that you can imagine, I've had lots of clients say, "We, we need to halt. Yeah. We're we're working from home or we're halting things. I actually had one very large client that I was working with that ended the contract the same week. They were like, we're going to just cut the strings. And so it makes for um, somewhat of a stressful time, but I'm very happy because I'd been working already on an online platform for some of the things that I do. Um, I'd written a book right at the end of um, last year and it's entitled A Transformative Ally Framework, going from advocacy support to ex- coexistence. And so, me and my curriculum writers, we've been working to create these um, guest lecture series. And so, we've turned those into online delivery products. So, so that's been great that we were already kind of in that mind, sp- mind frame before all of this ha- hit. So now we're just doing a lot of cleanup. We're able to spend a lot more time making sure the, the work is quality and that we're able to use Zoom and we are using Zoom, able to use all of the different um, portions of it to make sure that it's just as interactive as if they were face-to-face with me and things like oh, that. that's amazing. awesome. So we're, so we're super excited about it. We're hmm. excited about being able to add that to our repertoire. But there's also the the... the part that says you need to pivot a little bit and listen to what people need right now and what i was getting calls for was introductory to zoom classes (laughs) so i actually just completed a on-demand zoom 101 basics course that i'm going to put out for a lot of the educators so they are able to get accustomed to using zoom to teaching the students online
0: Mm, that's true because all of the schools are, you know, Zoom was smart. They put out a great email saying, Hey, we're going to open this up for all of the schools across the country and really had to ramp up quite a bit. Um, But they seem to be able to uh, be keeping up with it. Fortunately, they were a company that had scaled ahead of time and mm-hmm. they, you know, are prepared for it. But man, this is the time at where everybody is scrambling, even those that have online presence are feeling that, you know, oh my gosh, everything you read is always about COVID-19, coronavirus, now the stimulus um, economic packages that they're putting out. And so apply, you know, get those applications in because that $10,000 grant is, you know, huge for a small business.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. And so I I was receiving tons of emails yesterday about the Paycheck Protection Program and some of the other pieces of it. And so I, I'm going to be speaking with my bank tomorrow about all of it and saying, hey, what, what do we need to do? Because quite frankly, I did, you you do lose. And I definitely lost a lot when my largest client walked away um, yep. as soon as all of this hit. So I would love to be able to recoup some of that if possible.
0: Yep. I know I did. I had all types of, um, you know, I was working on getting ready to work on three business plans and do some Uh, on-site training in uh, Louisiana, and everything, everything stopped right then, Mm -hmm. and it was, uh, it's probably a good thing uh, in some ways, because um, where I would have been going, there was quite a bit of the outbreak in Louisiana, so they said, oh, no, this is really a good thing. You should be uh, considering yourself favored. God protected Mm -hmm. you. Definitely. I I believe that.
1: Yeah, everything is, for, you know, happens for a reason. And so I haven't really stressed myself out about any of it. I think that first day or two, I was, found myself in my head a lot. And I said, no, this is all going to, you know, this is going to work itself out the way it's supposed to. You're going to mm-hmm. be where you're supposed to be. And exactly. um, I'm just going with it. And um, thankful that I did have unpaid invoices that are being paid
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and just keeping everything moving. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I totally agree with you. So what remote working tips do you have to share with our listeners?
1: Hmm. And it
0: was great. You just gave a little promo there for Zoom and I'm switching over to Zoom also. So I'm learning it.
1: Yes, yes. Um, But um, I would say, you know, the first thing is have a routine. I think when, when people say that they're, if they've been working in an office forever and all of a sudden start working from home, it's, um, it becomes really easy to sleep in every day and to just kind of hang out and, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, those kind of you know, things. Because you're at home or you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're with your kids more. Mm-hmm. Um, but put together a routine. Not saying that you have to put on your suit and tie and come sit in your office. I know some people do that. But have a routine where you know what time you're gonna work uh, wake up. If you need to work out in the morning, still work out in the morning. Uh, spend the time, schedule the time with your family and make it you know, something that's repeatable throughout the week. It mm-hmm. just makes it easier, um, time working from home. And also not to overthink it and not get in your head about it. I think during this time, because it's there's a pandemic and every time you turn on TV, whether it's CNN, ABC, whatever, all you hear is pandemic, COVID-19, but try not to overthink it. Really just go with it. You can't change it. You can't fix it. But you can control how you respond to what's going on around you. So following the rules and all of that. And the last thing I would say is if you have a team member or several team members that you know are already shy, that they were people that you kind of had to nudge to get them to speak up in face-to-face meetings, you're going to have to do your homework to get them
0: to speak up in online meetings. Oh, my goodness. You are so... (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. on target there yeah i could not agree more so like
1: um having to be prepared to advocate for those people who are qu- you're quiet checking in mm-hmm. with them more often you know those kind of things
0: yep yeah. you know i had to run out to the store and just those day-to-day routines that one has i went up to walmart and i could not believe how many people were wearing face masks so even though you know, we're talking about remote working tips, it's still evident in the retail stores because God bless those people. They're in there, they're there to help you know, make sure that we have some semblance of what mm-hmm. is uh, considered a normal life. Our new norm is not, is, this is the new norm. But uh, it was really the um, customers in the store that were wearing gloves. And also the face masks. the people that were, there was one checkout person, everything else was, you know, on, you know, self, self-checkout, but she had on gloves also. And everybody was very respectful of the six foot space. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that right off the bat, whether you're in line or if you were trying to get somebody's attention to come and help you in an aisle with something, six foot space was observed. So that, as a working environment, I think it speaks a lot to, hopefully, how the businesses are trying to make sure that their own employees are are safe, because those are working tips. There are the essential employees that are there to serve us, whether it's a gas station, um, grocery stores, Walmart, and um, it's important to remember that there are people out there, and they... They feel maybe a little uncomfortable. They have to feel safe. And these are lives. It's, li- it's people's lives. So it's not a
1: game. It's not something that can't happen to anyone. I was speaking with a colleague um, today and she actually works at a shelter. And she said, this is so weird for us that we're working from home, but we have all of these clients. I said,
0: your people actually live on site. <laughs> yeah, how are they? People. That's an interesting question. What are they doing with the women that are in- the families that are in shelters because how do they keep them safe? So they they are one the staff is working
1: in shifts, so there's only maybe one person there working on the campus at a time to ensure administratively that things are going the way they're supposed to. I think they have closed down intake at this particular shelter, um, and it's more of a private shelter that you know kind of a little bit fancier. All of their uh, the ladies that live there actually mm-hmm. live in their own little cottages because they're privately funded. By oh, so family. it's not
0: like group, a group um, shelter, no. like
1: bunk, bunks and stuff like that. No, 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 no. So they have a main home where they have several that live in that house. And I think they've had to kind of institute different rules because there are several families. I think their main house has four four families can live in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're the smaller bungalows where you know outside of the home either outside of the main house that just one family per bungalow so i think they've had to institute rules in the house about the per families but she says it's been very difficult to do because they're not all able to be there together and they only have one kitchen in that main home for Mm. all four families so she's really she says it's really been a struggle but the the um the ladies that live there have been just open to every idea that they've had about keeping everyone safe. No one has been angry. And she says that's what's gone a long way is that people are just trying to figure it out with them.
0: Yeah, that is, that's huge. I had also read about how the the prisons were having immense amounts of problems. So they had let go of anybody that was like a minor, <laughs> a minor type of an infraction, a misdemeanor. And, um, Just to be able to get more breathing space inside of the prison system, and those are people too that we don't think about that are at work and they are there every day. So, working remote is not an option. It's it's really something to think about. You know, police officers and
1: all of those people who are constantly in contact. I saw an interview with the governor of California, and he was mentioning just that thing about uh, prisoners, and he was saying that they are looking at. Um, who they could let out of prison. And he said, but just to be clear, we're looking at those who are already up for parole. We're looking at those who are going to be up for parole in the next six months, and maybe we can fast track their parole to get them out of here. Mm-hmm. And he says he's put new rules in place for what is an arrestable offense right now. Mm-hmm. He was like, if it's not, if it's nonviolent and non-predatory um, and and um, drug-related then you have to ask yourself a certain amount of questions to know whether or not you should actually
0: um, arrest them and bring them in. I know it kind of goes back to like what people said, you know, on the, the lockdowns on the cities, they said, okay, you'll get a fine and then you could be put in jail. I said, I, I doubt that's even likely, <laughs> you know, because they'll give a fine to people that are working people. But I doubt they're going to put them there. I think I was always thinking about the homeless, you know, what do they do with those people? Because I know I would stay late at my office. And then when the curfew hit at 11 o'clock, I went, what are all of these police? Because I hadn't heard that. Uh, I was deep into the work mode and it was about 1030 when I left. And I was driving home. And then I saw all of these police out in the street in the downtown Orlando area. And that's when I found out about the curfew. And the only people on the street were homeless. But the eerie thing was when I would walk from the office, when they had closed down even the bars and the restaurants, I would walk from my office to the parking garage I went, did the rapture happen? Because I'm not supposed to be here and there is nobody around me. There were no cars in the parking lot. There was nothing there. And it was just a, really an eerie feeling in a city that's always got, you know, a heartbeat to it, so to mm-hmm. speak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's the same here in Houston. It's just empty. Well, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to go and give a shout out to our next patron, and then we're going to come back and be wrapping up our show. Omnimodal helps smart cities connect all commuters across all modes of transportation, move into the future. Omnimodal, their website is omnimodal.io. Thank you, Omnimodal, for being a patron of the Intern Whisperer Live. So we're coming back to our show. It's all about internships and remembering that person that gave us a chance. Um, I know this kind of falls into like what we were talking about uh, previously, but what do you think the future of consulting looks like 10 to 20 years from now? Um, It's just really a, a short summary here. I know that I've so enjoyed chatting with you, to be honest. Um, We're going to talk about what a typical day would look like for somebody, an intern, to work remotely with you now. And then um, some of the mentors that gave you some great um, great mentoring and any tips that you would like to pass on. So what do you think the future of consulting looks like?
1: I think the future of consulting um, is going to be a lot more of this remote work. I think Mm -hmm. it looks more like innovation and thought leadership rather than staff augmentation. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people use the word consultant, that means you just have another body in the office. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that because it's now going to be important to provide that bang for your buck because it's mm-hmm. going to take a while for this country to kind of bail itself out. So the future of consultant is really going to be around innovation and it's going to be about finding the, the best way to communicate and get your message out that doesn't look like the next person's.
0: Mm, I could not agree with you more and the world of automations and how that is stacking up into how to run a business especially if you're an independent consultant like yourself and myself um having as many of those automations in place is going to be vital but innovation as in to how you're doing business now certainly you're um you sat there and went okay i'm gonna put together a zoom 101 basic and and that's going to be a huge asset to any of the people that are in your own type of um, your leads, leads list, so to speak. But, you know, the people that you're talking with, your own following. And then you also mentioned before we got started on the show um, that you have a podcast and you're getting ready to gear that up. And I, I can tell that your podcast would be amazing. You're going to have really great tips in there. And uh, what's the name of your podcast, though, also? The name of the podcast is Empowering You. Oh,
1: excellent! And so that was named after the book that I was promoting when I met you in North Carolina, Empowering You: Tips to Finding Your Voice. So, during that podcast, I talk with people. I share uh, tips on when I lost my voice and how I was able to regain it. What that looks what that looks like,
0: what it feels like, and what those next steps are. How do you get <laughs> now? Just for our listeners, you're not literally meaning that you lost your voice, but it was about finding who you were, let's yes. just clarify. Yes, it's not about literally losing
1: my voice, the sound of it, it was who I was, and um, getting Reconnecting.
0: In corporate America. Yeah, that whole reconnection, and, and I don't think, I, I think this is something that's interesting is that um, many times when I talk with women, Uh, we're always trying to figure out who we are um, and we doubt ourselves, but I've seen, you know, a lot of, you know, the younger generations because I work with them in my own company, but that's one of the things that I teach employers is how to be a mentor that leads and uh, leads across a multi-generational workforce for sure. That's going to be vital. Um, What I think is consistent and I don't think that people realize it is that we all get in that place because we had a a decade and it's like, okay, it's time to reinvent. And if you get too stuck into being who you were in the past, you're not able to move forward into the future. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely.
1: And I think honestly, that was, that it was my problem. It was that it was time for me to move forward and not stay in the same place, but I didn't know how to do it. I put myself in a box and it was up to me to get myself out of it. And I think that's what really that underlying message is to a lot of women. When I speak to women, it's get yourself out of the box. Don't even put yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Take it out of the way if it's there mm-hmm. and move forward and allow yourself to grow based on circumstances that are coming your way, because as life changes, so do we
0: yes yeah and one of the things i was speaking at a uh, conference before all of this happened also and it was at the national aviation conference here in orlando mm-hmm. um and one of the things that i said is there is one one thing we all have in common as humans and that is we will all get older so it does not matter you will not escape that <laughs> and we should be kind to every generation behind and ahead of us and remember that Um, It really resonated with somebody in the audience, and they reached out to me on LinkedIn, and they said, oh my God, I could not agree with you more, and I'm supposed to be having an appointment with them. But it is true, and it is really important to remember that as um, we go through that aging process, um, whether you're 20 or you're 27, as you were when you went to Japan, or when you're in your 70s or 80s, there is always something that we have to contribute, uh, being part of it requires that we be innovative and we not get stuck in the past. Right. Yeah, not agree more. So um, what would a typical day look like for an intern to work with you in your business? I bet it's remote. It's definitely remote, mostly because I, even before all of
1: this, I, you know, they really did, didn't, I didn't have a need to have someone sitting with me, mm-hmm. but I always, I've always, always, always had a need to have someone working with me and keeping me focused on, you know, the, the the big picture. So even when it was, I needed an assistant versus your questions about an intern, I still didn't need you here. And so I think for me, a day in the life with me is um, one to start working and going through emails first and foremost. That's kind of my first thing is to make sure that I'm caught up and I know what my day needs to look like but then i want to strategize about new business i want to strategize about innovative ways that i could get out to new audiences and so an intern for me would be someone who is an out-of-the-box thinker because sometimes i am i'm I'm very much someone that's structured in the way i think i may get to the -the out-of-the-box thought but it may be a little further down the road and so to have someone that works with me on strategy about new clients, about um, things that I need to say to appeal to a new audience. Those are things that I really would love to work with an intern on, especially someone who may be younger than me because they can tell me all of the new things that I may not be thinking about, um, leading into the discussion about what's coming for me. What, what, What things can I do even for that's on my calendar? all of these different speaking engagements and client things that I have on the calendar, what are, what are some things that I can do to kind of spice it up? What are some okay. things I can do to make them never forget me and always want to be my raving fan and um, be someone who stays with either um, power Her consulting or even goes all across the cross the aisle and wants to be a donator a, um, to the foundation or a sponsor of what we're doing on that side of the house hmm mm-hmm. yep so there's I a lot of strategy there's a lot of strategy discussions because that's constantly what I'm doing I'm whiteboarding I am uh, thinking about you know new ways and new things that I could be doing so there's always this future outlook thing that I'm doing each and every day so it's not just about the corporate the client calls and the emails it's about the strategy for the future
0: I agree. One of the things that I um, say to somebody that's going to intern with me, I go, if you tell me that you can take something off my shoulders, you're going to be like the best um, secret (laughs) weapon I have. And if you're not afraid to manage up, because I have a lot of irons in the fire Mm -hmm. and I really need people that are very proactive and communicate at a really high level because we're all moving super fast, but you still have to communicate. Right,
1: right. You still have to tell me. And I, you know, there are times that I'm probably not going to agree, but that doesn't mean that that's, that doesn't mean that I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just need to figure out the right, you know, the right thing for the business. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. When I was teaching the, the kids would say, Oh, you don't like me. And I went, no, no, let's make sure. And you know, we have to say this, it doesn't matter where they are in life. It's a good reminder, whether it's, your your significant other your parents or you know complete strangers or people you work with listen i'm gonna get angry i'm a human you'll get angry you're a human so it doesn't mean we don't like each other it just means we have to come together and find a consensus of a place of agreement so we will disagree and that's going to be okay the important thing is that we don't keep it bottled up inside of us right yep could not agree more So who were some of your mentors that you might want to recognize, great advice that they gave you? And it sounds like you're a wealth of really great advice. Um, You've been sharing so many good (laughs) mentoring tips. It's amazing. So um, who were some of those people for you? Oh, um, I have
1: a couple of, um, you know, uh, guys that actually people are surprised that, you know, a lot of the mentors that I've had that have been great have been men. But when I first started at uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, I worked for someone, um, his name is Doug, and he mentored me in a way that I don't think he realized that he was, I found it valuable. But even to this day, when I talk to him, because I still do talk to him, we talk about how he's made an impact on my career and my life. He just says, it's amazing that that was something that i just naturally do i naturally want to make sure that you're okay i naturally want to come in and check in with you after a meeting to make sure you understood every word that was mentioned because when i i I started at nasa at 23 years old one of the youngest people that they'd uh really brought in um to work in an environment like that (laughs) really quickly and um Doug would come back and talk to me after each meeting to make sure I understood the implications of the things that were said in the room, that I understood the language because there's so many acronyms, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. And even when it came time for me to just kind of make life decisions, Doug was always there. And so he's been a, you know, just an invaluable source of, of, of mentoring for me my entire career. And then there was another gentleman at Booz Allen. He's a, he was a senior vice president. And he just provided so much business advice to me. So Doug was very much about me growing as a professional, but Reggie, he gave me the real deal business discussion. And I worked in an environment where there were not a lot of women. And there definitely were not a lot of women of color. And my Booz Allen Hamilton office here in Houston, I was the only minority that worked there for almost my entire 13 years that I was with the company. So he would counsel me a lot on the things that I was hearing, um, explaining to me how I needed to take up for myself or say things the right way, how to, how to assert myself, especially Mm -hmm. when it came time to negotiate salaries and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So um, those two, you know, for my career, they've brought me all the way to this point and I still, I'm blessed that I'm still able to, call on them when I need to. Now, beyond that, there's always been my mom who's just been there, has been the one role model in my entire life to, to be able to be um, someone that she's proud of now uh, because she just worked. She just worked. And there was not a lot of time to stop and whine about the situation. It was, I have a family. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to do it. So mm-hmm. to me, I learned that I just need to stick to it. Um, situation is definitely not where it was then. I'm grateful that I'm able to take care of her now, but it's just that whole thing of she mentored me without having to say a word. I watched it. I watched how she lived her life, and that has shown me so much about how I, I want to continue
0: to live mine. Mm, that's a really wonderful testimony about your mom, too. Really nice. My, my mom passed away um, four years ago, yeah, and I really miss her a lot. And yep, that was one of the things I did. I was able to share with her. I, my father is definitely still alive, but I shared this with both of my parents that they did a fantastic job of raising me and that they gave me the work ethic and many of the points that you just touched on. I mean, they made me somebody that can take care of themselves, that is resilient, that is a really hard worker. And I'm very, very thankful for that. So that's a wonderful testimony to share there. So how can our listeners, um, contact you is share your websites, um, social channels you're on, if there's an email or or a phone number you want to share? Sure. Sure.
1: So, um, to find out more about the Chapman Women's Foundation, ChapmanWomensFoundation.org is the website, C-H-A-T-M-A-N, Women's Foundation.org all of the information, all of the people who we've supported, some information is out there. And then for me and what I've been doing with my consulting business, ShantaraChapman.com. So my name uh, is really... um, That's the brand. That's the brand. Yeah. Yeah. ShantaraChapman.com and Instagram is ShantaraChapman. Twitter reversed it. And so it's... Chapman Shantara. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so email, honest, uh, I think that it would be great if someone, you know, heard something that they, they wanted to reach out and get more information. I do respond to emails. So info at would be a great mm-hmm. email for them.
0: That is cool. You mean there's more than one Shantara Chapman, which is why you had to reverse it on Twitter? I, I think so. That's, That's what amazing. A, that there is only one unique person there, and that is you.
1: That's me. And you yeah. know, we put it in and they that was they did not allow us to have Shantara Chapman. It they came back with Chapman Shantara. So I said, okay. Okay.
0: Well that's the way it was then. Right. Well, anyway, right here at the end of our show, um, we usually do shout outs. So who would you like to give a shout out to? A shout out? To, can it be anybody? It can be anybody, living, dead, people you know personally, people you don't know. I mean, you can go up to three, so okay.
1: feel free. So um, one one other person that I didn't mention in this, and it's odd that I haven't mentioned my husband in this, so shout out to my husband, Pierre Chapman, who kind of sitting with me in this whole pandemic era right now and probably wanting to run out of here kicking and screaming for being with me for so long every day, <laughs> but being the support that I need and allowing me to be me completely Uh, But and also first responders, also um, doctors, nurses, teachers right now, um, janitors, uh,
0: grocery stores
1: grocery store workers and even those and then the ones that really that we don't think about the people who are still working at FedEx and Amazon and all those Mm -hmm. places that are showing we still get our packages and -hmm. get all the things that we need those warehouse workers U.S. mail I want to yeah all of that stuff yeah the U.S. mail and even you know honestly and even to the politicians who are trying to figure this whole thing out and to try to figure out how to keep this country moving a huge huge shout out.
0: Yep, and to all of those around the world, you know, we're all in this. This is something that is hopefully unifying us as a a group of people around the world, just the whole planet.
1: Spain, Italy, UK, Russia, all of us are all in it together.
0: Well, my shout out goes to you first for being a guest. To all of our listeners, we always appreciate them. Um, and then to my own team, they have been awesome (laughs) and Mm. they have really helped rally together. And this is the first time I'm doing this show by myself. So, um, usually I have somebody that sits across the table from me and somebody that sits next to me and we have the video people in the room and none of that's happening, but it is happening behind the scenes. And so we're, we're still doing stuff and it's just, um, the way that we're having to work right now. But getting out of uh, your box. Yeah, getting out of the box. Anyway, well, thank you so much for being a guest. I'm going to let our listeners know how to contact us. So you can contact us at info at internpursuit.tech. Our uh, office number is 321-422-2166. Visit our website, internpursuit.tech, and be sure to follow us on all of our social channels. Oh, and a little shout out. Uh, We are having a contest between the four interns Uh, to see who is going to be the next Intern Pursuit Influencer. So we are putting our content out there. They have learned some amazing little tricks. They're putting awareness tips, uh, how to work remotely, awareness tips about COVID-19. So anybody that is on our social feeds, you'll find one of them is in charge of every social channel. Uh, One for LinkedIn, Bernie is on Facebook, Sophia's on LinkedIn with me, and we have Sal on Twitter. And then we have Laura on Instagram, but everybody is posting on Instagram and we're wanting to see who will be that next intern pursuit influencer. So share our content, like, make comments Um, for April and for uh, May. That's how long our contest takes place. We're going to be posting monthly analytics. I mean, weekly analytics, just so you can see who's in the lead. And hopefully you're really going to love what we're sharing out there. That's what we want more than anything. So to all of our listeners, uh, we want to say thank you for listening and stay safe and stay healthy.